There we go. <laughs> I just did. You did? Is, was that the note you sent? Yeah. Oh, well, I don't read notes. You know, I have a hard time reading. I told you my eyes are bad today. All right. So we're recording it. Um, James Chapter Blame one. someone else. Yeah, it's my fault. I know. I know. So uh, just a, a couple of thoughts about this moral filth that we talk about here in 21. Um, the words in the Greek, uh, the first word moral, it, it, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's talks or filth, if you will. Um, it talks about dirt, uh, greediness, moral uncleanness in the Greek. Uh, it, it, it goes along with uh, the, the rest of the word. It's two words. It means to have an excess or surplus of, of immorality or greediness or dirty or filthy. Uh, it's over and above. And um, God wants us to you know, ex humbly accept the word that's been planted in us, which can save you. It's the idea that turning from evil is not enough. Just because I say I'm not going to sin anymore does not mean that you won't sin anymore. Right? So it, it, when we talk about uh, repenting, we talk about turning back basically you're going the wrong way say 180 degrees you're going to turn 180 degrees and go the right way uh is the idea that we're looking for here uh is that possible yeah it's possible is it possible by my own strength no no it only happens through the word of god and through the holy spirit working in us so uh let's go on to 22 is it enough to just hear the word of god is it okay if all we do is go and hear a good sermon and go, hey, man, that was great? No. No? Is it enough if we just maybe mark up our Bible and say, oh, man, that was great. I got to remember that. Put that down. Is that good enough? That show no. that I'm a really, I'm a, I'm a mature Christian because I, I made a note in my Bible? <laughs> no, no. The problem is too many Christians think they need to mark their Bible versus letting the Bible mark them. Like that turn? I like that. It was a good turn of phrase. I That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. We, we could tell that you liked it. You really smiled big there, Joe. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so our, the issue is not hearing alone, but doing is the most important part. Um, the Stoics had, uh, you remember, as the Stoics uh, were one of the groups that uh, Paul uh, was arguing with on the, uh, in Athens at the Areopagus, and uh, he, uh, he deals with the epics and the Stoics. The Stoics believed in, in a life after death, but, and they also believed in the idea of innate reasoning. And so the, the idea of engrafting the word is a Stoic concept that, that, that has been borrowed because it makes sense, okay? Just because something is, is extra biblical or non-biblical does not mean that it's not necessarily good thought. And in this particular case, that's the case here. So we need to hear and obey. Uh, otherwise, we're self-deluding ourselves. Uh, uh, Ezekiel, uh, one of those books that, you know, we talk about Isaiah. I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'd be scared to death to try to figure out how to teach Ezekiel. Some of it is pretty, pretty far-fetched. I, I work real hard at that one. Ezekiel 33, if you want to look at, at it with me, in verse 30 through 32 says this, As for you, son of man, 
your countrymen are ta talking together about you by the walls that are the doors of the house saying to each other, come and hear the message that has come from the Lord. My people come to you as they usually do and they sit before you and listen to your words, but they do not put them into practice. With their mouths, they express devotion, but with their hearts, they're greedy for unjust gains. Indeed, to them, you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument as well. For they hear your words, but do not put them into practice. That's pretty significant. That's all the way back in the Old Testament. You need to not only just hear the words, you need to practice. You put in practice the words of God. Uh, do what the law says is what the Jews were told to often. Practice the Torah. You know, when uh, in Exodus 24, 3, it says uh, Moses went and told the people all the words and the laws and, and they, that the Lord had given them. And they responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said, we will do. Now, the problem is that they were willing to do it. They just didn't. Yeah. I have the best of intentions, just don't have any follow through. Now, it's interesting that in Judaism, the, the difference in Jesus and Judaism, the way in the, especially in the first century, is that they understood holiness, but they understood it from a different perspective. They understood that it, it meant doing the word. That was how you, you practiced holiness. But their definition of holiness was different. Remember, I've talked about the fact that often um, cults will use the same words that Orthodox Christians use, but they give mm -hmm. it a different meaning. And when you do that, you change the word and you, you can deceive people because they oh, it sounds like Christianity. Well, it isn't because they're, they're doing a different definition. It's really important when you have conversations with people you would make sure that you and they are defining the words identically. You know, I'll give you an example of one just we talk, we banter around a lot today in our society, justice. Your idea of justice and my idea of justice might be totally different. So we need to, to identify and, and uh, nail down the meaning of words. I bet as a lawyer, Tom, you did that often. You had to make sure that the, they understood exactly what you were saying, or you, or that they, you understood exactly what they were telling you, and you, and you had to, to ask some questions around that to make sure that it was uh, clear to everyone. So, um, for for the the Jews, for those that practice Judaism, they believed that holiness had to do with purity, and therefore they needed to separate themselves from the world. There are a lot of groups of Christianity today that still want to practice that, separating themselves from the world so they can stay pure. The problem was that Jesus didn't define it that way. Jesus said the center of God's character was his compassion and mercy, and he expressed it like this in Luke 10, 27, the love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what obeying the law is all about. Boy, that's a whole lot different than, than separating ourselves from the world. That's why Jesus could go and sit with sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, etc., and and go, you know what? I can sit with them because I want to show them God's love. 
and I want to bring them into the family of God. Versus the, the Pharisees going, oh, I can't have anything to do with them. Oh, no, I might be tainted. I will be unclean. Big difference. That's why Jesus could, by the way, that's why Jesus would take and, and, and touch a leper. In, in, in the law, the way that the Jews looked at the law was all external. It was nothing was internal. They externalized every aspect of it. But if you internalize it, you change. That's why Jesus says in, 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 the, in the Beatitudes, even if you think about killing someone, you're guilty of it. Why? Because it's your attitude that's important. And I, I will tell you that I struggle with that at times, with you know, making sure I have the right attitude. There are a lot of times I don't have the right attitude. I'm sure none of you have noticed that about me because I try to hide it very well. That was supposed to be a joke. Okay. So, all right. We're told to do that. You know, one of you laughs. I'm sorry. It's too late. It doesn't count. It's, no, it's on delay. Timing. It's all timing. Yeah, that's true. And I apparently have lousy timing. All right. So, uh, let's look at uh, 23. As anyone listens to the word but does not do what it says, is like a man who looks in his face in the mirror. You ever notice that uh, when you get something new on, you always want to go to the mirror and make sure it looks okay? You know, I no. go in and I, I, <laughs> I buy a suit. I'll have it tailored. I step into to a, uh, in front of a mirror that's got uh, like three sides in the front and two sides and I'm looking and the tailor's going, is this the right kind of break in your pants? And is it too tight? Does it need to be let out? Does it need to be brought in? What about the, the length of the sleeves? You know, we really stare in the mirror and we really check to make sure that everything looks good. And uh, the problem is that so often we look at the word of God as a, and it, it shows us something and we ignore it. Or we forget, we run away from it. And uh, this passage here uh, reminds me of uh, the best mirrors in Jesus' time were considered Corinthian bronze. They, they, they were the ones that gave you the best possible ability to look into a mirror and perhaps see something of your image. The problem was those mirrors are nothing compared to what we have today in mirrors. We have much better mirrors today. But... Uh, it's important that we understand that that our that we see a poor reflection in a mirror. And First Corinthians thirteen twelve says, "Now we see, but a poor reflection is in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, and I will know. Then I will know fully, even as I am fully known." So he talks about the fact that it's important that we that we listen and that we look into the Word of God and look at it as uh, as a mirror. Um, too often it's out of sight, out of mind. We, we take a glance at scripture. We see, oh, I need to take care of that. And then we ignore it and walk away. Forget all about it. I, I found it kind of fascinating. Um, there's several mistakes that happen here. First off, and, uh, we're told here in, in verses uh, 23 through 25 that we merely glance in the mirror. We're not really studying to look closely at what we what we need to do, and, they, and as a result of that, we tend to read the Word of God carelessly. Well, that applies to my brother Joe or my friend Sally, but it doesn't apply to me. 
And then second mistake is often is that we tend to forget what we saw. Uh, we don't do as Isaiah. Remember, Isaiah is, is entering into the courts of heaven. He sees a vision of, of God and his train fills the temple. And Isaiah says in, uh, in uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 5, he says, Woe is me, I am undone. Why? He says, because I am a sinful man. In Luke, uh, one of the, the men say, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. J Job says about himself in, 40, in, in 42, chapter 42, verse 6, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. Don't forget what you see in the mirror. Number three, they fail to obey what the word of God tells them to do. You ever notice that? I have a tendency to do it. I look, but I won't deal with it. I look good with that glob of whatever it is on my face, that dirty spot, you know? Five, five minutes alone. Five minutes alone with God is a good start, but it, it's not going to teach you all the things you need to know. It's not going to give you an opportunity for deep spiritual examination. So we're told first to examine the word of God. Uh, let it let the word of God examine us. Second is uh, uh, is to restoration. Um, and I wanted to get into this a little bit because I think it's really kind of interesting how this plays out. In Exodus, uh, Moses is given instructions on how to build the tabernacle. And I always found it fascinating that one of the spots of the tabernacle was really unique as to what they used to, to make it. Uh, if you want to look at Exodus chapter 30, verses 17 through 21, we'll get there in a second. But I want to start with Exodus 38, 8, where it says they made the bronze basin and the bronze stand from the mirrors of the women who served at the entrance of the tent of the meeting. They asked for, when they made the bronze labor, they asked for the mirrors the women had brought from Egypt. They, they, they uh, melted them down and they made a bronze labor. And this is uh, uh, in Exodus chapter 30, verses uh, 17 through 21, is where I think we start to see some significance of this. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a bronze basin with a, a bronze stand for washing. I want you to place it between the tent of the meeting and the altar and put water in it. And Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and their feet with the water from it. Whenever they enter the tent of the meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. Also, when they approach the altar to minister before the presence, presenting an offering made by, uh, to the Lord by fire, they shall wash their hands and feet so they will not die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants from generations to come. The idea was the priests were to, were to wash their hands and feet before they did any kind of ministry. Now, um, I'm going to see if my, my uh, little, uh, uh, of course it didn't. Okay, so let's turn, the, turn this and let you see the board. So you can see on the board, uh, we've got a gate. We, this is the this is the gate around the temple, around the tabernacle. You've got the tabernacle itself made of two parts. You've got the uh, holy of holies where the altar, the ark of the covenant is. 
you have the, the uh, veil between them with the golden altar, the golden lampstands, and the table of showbread. Out here by the entrance, you have the, uh, the altar that all of the brass uh, was going, uh, uh, all offerings were put, placed on this. This altar here was only for incense, this, this golden altar. It was the prayers, uh, represents the prayers of the people ascending to God. In between the altar and the tabernacle, was the bronze labor. It's where they washed themselves to make themselves uh, um, able to see uh, and be cleansed by God. Uh, let's see if I can go back to my... Hey, that one's going to work at least. All so right. How many, how many buildings are set up like that? Just one. Where? The tabernacle was set up that way and then eventually the, te the temple was set up that same way. Where? Well, the tabernacle journeyed with them throughout their, their wilderness journey and then eventually came to rest in, in uh, Shiloh, which was uh, just a little bit north of Jerusalem. Eventually, David and Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem. And when they did that, they built, uh, again, an, a bronze altar and a bronze labor. So it would have been in Jerusalem at that time. Now, the reason that I told you all of that was because I want to show how it applies to the New Testament. And this is the kind of interesting. Uh, washing with water is a picture of the word of God and its cleansing power. I want to read some verses for you so you can see this. In John 15, 3, Jesus, after he washes the disciples' feet, says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. <laughs> Uh, Ephesians 5.26 talks about making the church holy and cleansing her by the washing of the water through the word. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Do, not, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that was what some of you were, past tense, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Titus. Titus talks about this in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out to us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. You see, not only does the mirror of the word of God help us to examine what our sins are, but the mirror of the word of God also helps to cleanse us of our sins. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, it's the blood of Christ that cleanses the guilt, but it's the water of the word that keeps washing away all the defilement that we get when we walk around in the word, in the world every day. Now, that's why at the last supper, that's why every time you watch, every time there is a, uh, when you, when uh, people 
in the in the Old Testament time and New Testament time, when they would come into a house, they would get their feet washed because it was dirty and dusty. It was the area that would get that would get muddy and, and dirty. So God uses all of this to help us cleanse ourselves, to restore us. The Lord in Second Samuel twelve it says, "The Lord has also put away our, their sin, and you shall not die." How are we doing here? Well, we're doing okay. We've got a few minutes. Good. So the, 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 one of the next parts of the ministry, the ministry of the Word of God shows us our truth. It, it, it helps to cleanse us, restores us. It also transforms us. In the 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect God's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The idea there, the picture there is, remember Moses in the Old Testament? Remember he spent time with God up on the mountain? The longer he, he was up there, he, he absorbed, if you will. He reflected the glory, the Shekinah glory of God when he came down from the mountain. The people could not stand to look at him because he was transformed. So he had to put a veil over his face. Too often we confess our sins, we claim forgiveness, but then we stop at that point and we never go past that point. The idea of going past that point is to, is to conquer self and sin by growing spiritually, which, by the way, I can't do my, myself. I have to have the power of the spirit to do it. And I'm pretty sure you do too. Just saying. So the, the law, Second the, Corinthians 3 talks about this. Uh, he says the law uh, was external. It was written on tablets of stone. But salvation uh, means that God's word has been written on our hearts. Our hearts become the tablets of which God's word is written on. The old covenant ministry condemned uh, and killed, but the new covenant ministry brings forgiveness and life. The glory of the law gradually disappeared because the glory of God's grace became brighter and brighter. The law was temporary. Covenant of grace is supposed to be eternal. When we look into the word of God, the glass, the mirror of the word of God, we're supposed to see the son of God in there. And he's supposed to transform us by the spirit to share in the glory of God. That's what the whole idea of, remember uh, Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is, after all, just your reasonable act of service. And not to be conformed to this world, but you should be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed. It's the idea of metamorphosis. It's the idea of the, the, the caterpillar and the butterfly. I, I saw it. My wife showed me a, a, a picture, one of those memes. He had a butterfly. It was a, a boy butterfly. He was on the ground crawling around and up in the tree was a, a cocoon or whatever they call it. And uh, he said, I'm, I, you know, it takes you forever to get ready. Yeah, mm -hmm. 
the butterfly is not yet done, right? It, it, they're, she's transferring herself. So we need to realize, we need to transform ourselves. We need to ask God on a daily basis to not hide the truth from us. Uh, Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There's an old, uh, rel well, relatively old now, uh, contemporary Christian song that, that takes the, that verse, uh, two verses, and sets it to music. It's really important that we let God search us, even the dark corners. You know, the, the, if, if, if you ever washed a window and you think you've got it clean, you know, from a distance, it looks clean, but then you get up in the, the corners, you notice there's there's dirt and grime still in the corners because you didn't really get up in the edges. They use the newspapers. You, yeah, well, the closer you get to the to the, the window, the more you can see how dirty it looks. That, that's that's what God wants us to do is look closely into our lives and allow him to point out the areas. Oh, there's a spot there. Oh, there's a streak there. Oh, oh, you need to polish that a little more. There's some things we do. If, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth isn't in us. That's 1 John 1, 8. That's why it goes on to say in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. All right. Let's see how we're doing here. There's a guy by the name of Stephen Carter, who is a, a theologian, Bible teacher. He said the law has two functions. It makes me do what I what you do not want to do. It makes you do what you do not want to do, and it prevents you from doing what you do want to do. Think about that. The law has only two functions. It makes you do what you do not want to do, and it prevents you from doing what you want to do. See any truth in that? This was the problem with the, with the problem with the Mosaic law in the eyes of Jesus and, and James in this particular case, and even Paul. It was so rigid and inflexible that it, it was significantly, again, external with little or no power to animate the heart. But if you animate the heart, the, the rules came from uh, were codes of law that were based on principles. The principles arise from the foundational beliefs that we have, and that's how you make a law. You base it on a principle. The principle comes from a foundational truth. If we do that, we're doing well. So often our problem is we don't. Or we don't understand. Go ahead, Dan. It's funny, long time ago in the late 80s, I went through that school. Uh, one thing that the gentleman said, and it blew everyone's mind. He says, I wish they would legalize everything. And we go, what? Well, because you'd have to make a choice. Some yeah. of you are making choices because it's wrong. But if everything's legal, then it's freedom. And then now, are you walking or are you just, you know, falling into? And look where we are today. It's funny when I think back to that comment, he said, you know, legalize yeah. it all and now really make choices. And we struggle with that, don't we? Yeah. You know, it's uh, 
just because something is legal doesn't mean that it's necessarily necessarily morally right or that it follows God's principles. You know, I, I think, you know, the, the comment that you made, Val, about the law making you do what you don't want to do. And yeah. then, and then, so I think if you're a believer, I don't necessarily feel the first part of that. I yeah. see the second part of it, but not the first part necessarily. Then you're further along in your Christian walk than a lot of us. No, no. So say it again so we can evaluate this again. <laughs> oh, okay. I have to find my notes. Hang on. All right. This was a guy by the name of Stephen Carter. I, I don't claim this, so I can I can blame it on him. This, the law had only two functions. It makes you do what you don't want to do. And it prevents you from doing what you want to do. The idea is that there are things that we are, that God commands us to do that we all fight against. We all would just as soon not do it. You know, give generously, live open-handedly, just saying, love your neighbor as yourself. And we go, who's my neighbor? I don't really care for that guy or that person or that country. You know, and so I'm, I don't, I don't, you know, God says, no, you have to love them in spite of who they are. What? And then it prevents I, me from doing all the things, you know, I want to disobey. I'm tempted to sin. I'm tempted to do something I shouldn't do. And the law should hopefully prevent us from doing that. The problem is that often we don't allow it to do. So again, externally, one thing, internally, totally, a totally different thing. If all we're doing is basing everything upon the law, you know, why is it that I obey the speed limit when I see a police officer? My wife says to me, she la she laughs. When I see a police officer, she's in the car with me, I'll often start whistling or singing. I don't know why I do it. I just, oh, you know, it's I'm, your tell. I'm just doing okay. I'm, there's nothing wrong. I you, you don't, don't mind me. You know, that, they can't hear me, but that's what I do. You're, you're playing pleasant music instead of like that hard rock stuff that would make you <laughs> well, yes, pulled yeah. over. Yeah. Uh, I, when my kids were small, I was living downriver and I was ministering in church up in, in Roseville. And uh, so we'd have to jump on 94 and travel pretty fast to get there. And sometimes I'd be, I wouldn't pay attention to, I wasn't paying attention to the speed limit. We put on praise and worship music on the way there. And the faster the music was, the faster I drove. <laughs> so we're we're flying down 94 and i get pulled over by a police officer oh. sir do you do you know how long, how fast you're going i'm sorry sir i don't have a clue he goes where are you going in such a hurry i said church <laughs> all the kids are dressed up my wife and i are dressed up i'm in a suit you know it was back in the day he goes well he says you need to slow it down and he gave me a ticket of course you know the, the next thing I'm going, oh, man, I'm embarrassed. You know, and my daughter, my youngest assistant in the backseat, she's a she's maybe early elementary at best. And she goes, I can't wait to tell all of my friends that we saw a police officer up close. Oh, no. I'm in trouble now. Yeah, that happened to me with a, I was driving a little red Toyota from my father-in-law. And they stopped me on liver noise going to Trey Baptist. And the guy says, where are you going? I'm going to church. And he let me go. But well, I was were... brand new here in the United States. And I thought the 50 mile was equal to 50 kilometers per hour. 
Yeah. That changed quickly. I think uh, I think uh, James is doing uh, a comparison between uh, his lifestyle before Christ mm -hmm. and his lifestyle after Christ. Because Jesus talked in the gospel, they stand at the corners all dressed up, and you see the outside. But inside, they are like uh, whitewashed tombs. Yep. Yep. He says, uh, okay, it's good that you heard me, now apply it. It's a, I think far, it goes far beyond than a suggestion or a counsel to do good. It's, a, it's a command. if you don't apply the word in you, your light cannot be seen. You cannot apply the word to others unless he has enlightened you. You cannot be a light. You know, uh, it, ha it happens so many times that we take, we take our most for granted. I'm a Christian, you know, still I sin. And yep. I forget that I sin. I forget that. And he, he compares, he doesn't say, but if you're a Christian, be a doer of the word. He says, anyone. So when we preach and teach, it's the same thing to any anybody. I hope that he does something transformation to us that okay, other can be transformed. Rather, oh, I did it. That's all right. And I forget oh, all of a sudden. That's what actually Joshua was invited to do. Meditate on it day and night. Mm -hmm. You know, and we put all, all the trappings of the world in between and we forget to do that. Yep. You know, moment by moment to leave God's word in ourselves. So then when the opportunity comes, your faith is shown. You know, it, it's a it's a high demand. It's, it's not it's not that yeah, easy. And you can't do it without the Holy Spirit helping you. There's right. no way I can do all the things that God wants me to do right. without the Holy Spirit's power. Because I am a lousy person when it comes to doing things God's way right. and God's timing. I need the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I need the strength of the Holy Spirit to help me make it through. Because if I try to do it on my own, I've tried. I have always right. failed. I know some of you probably have succeeded, but I haven't. I've yet to figure out how to do it in my own strength. Oh, I can do it fine for a, a day or maybe an hour. But after that, I fail miserably. I need Well, strength. don't be recognized by your own religiosity, but be recognized by his work at the cross for you and me. You know. Amen. All right. Well, that should end our time together today. We will... Uh,